Hi everyone, this is Joshna here. Uh, good evening, namaskar, kia ora. Uh, yesterday I was talking a little bit about an experience I had in India, in Anandanagar, in Ra, northeast India, and I was saying how I was sitting underneath a, um, a tree, it's actually a tantrapit or a seat where someone attained realization, and and the experience I had there of seeing in my mind's, mind's eye a group of musicians traveling across the land, and they were singing this particular melody, which I I um, heard and I recorded in the album Sound of Silence. So um, that was quite a mis- that was a quite a mystical experience, and I remember think I was I'm thinking today about this particular story that I read, and I wanted to share it with you. But first of all, just to say, you know, sometimes people say to me, "Oh, Joshna, you know, you live for your music." But it's not true because the music, the music comes from within me. So if the within me is feeling good and feeling happy, then the music comes out similarly. And if the in- inside of me is not feeling that way, similarly the music comes out that way. So the music really expresses the inner the inner life of a person. But sometimes music does still have a life of its own. And I just thought this, I'd read you this story. It's it's midnight here, so I'm going to read it to both of us as like um, as a as a bedtime story. So, it's in the book um, Sangeeta, Song, Dance, and Instrumental Music by Sri Prabhupadan Saka. Every evening after we had been practicing for a little while, we seemed to be hearing someone playing an unknown ragini or musical tune on an unknown instrument coming from the distant hills. Both of us would listen for some time. We couldn't see anyone. Sometimes we would think that we were hearing the echoes of our esraj, which is a stringed instrument. But after some, after a few moments, we would realize our mistake, because how could the echoes of the esraj last so long? And moreover, what were we playing what we, what we were playing was not the ragini we were hearing in the echo. But there were no instrumentalists, no instrument that we could see anywhere. After spending some time in that astonishing environment, we would again come down from the hills. When we would get down to the plain at the bottom, that music would disappear over the horizon. On this particular day, it had gotten, it had gotten quite late. Why Prasenchi hadn't come, I didn't know. Normally he would come first and I would come later. I was sitting there alone when that intoxicating melody, that rapturous sound, came floating over the forest of shal and palash trees. I thought to myself, as long as Prasenchi is not here, nor his Esraj, why don't I go ahead? Why don't I go ahead a bit and look for that unknown, unfamiliar instrumentalist? I started climbing. The moon had come out and everything was clearly visible. After the hill where I was, there was a huge uneven plateau filled with pebbles and broken stones in the jungle. A few jackals sitting under a plum tree, eating plums, fled away when they saw me coming. A little further on, I saw three or four hyenas sitting quietly. When they saw me, they first tried to guess whether I was their friend or foe. After they saw that I wasn't moving in their direction, they continued sitting where where they were. A deer appeared, running swiftly from north to south. Perhaps a tiger had been chasing him. I went ahead, on and on and on. 
The melody came in waves, sometimes clear, sometimes faint, sometimes close and sometimes very far. A little farther on I came to a small uh, Piachal jungle. The shell flowers were then in blossom, full of intoxicating nectar. The music grew even clearer. Everything was glittering in the moonlight. I went ahead. The sound now seemed to be quite near. I came to a palace jungle and started reciting a poem to myself. The translation goes, Who are you playing the vina today, alone in the kingshook forest? Show yourself to me, show yourself. Scatter the radiant moon-like sweetness of your mind. You never want anything. Perhaps you have no need of anything. What a message you play, beyond thought, in this lonely, solitary place, in this empty abode of my mind. Will you let me catch you without speaking? Sing the song of endlessness in this late evening, bathed in moonlight. The blooming flowers of the polished trees looked as if they were lit with fire. In the middle of the jungle, in a place where the trees were sparse, I saw a young, young man, about my age, 19 or 20, seated on a mound. His body was like a motion picture, a play of light and shadow. His face was bright, and he was wearing an ornament in his ear, and glittering bangles around his wrists, and his hands was a stringed instrument, and when he was playing according to and he was playing according to his inspiration. When I approached, he stopped playing, stood up, and said to me in Sanskrit, I've been waiting for you for many days now. Yes, I've heard you you I've heard you play, I replied. What is that instrument you have? It's an ancient vena, vin in spoken language, seven or or seven and a half thousand years ago. This was the only instrument in the world when Shiva first started his musical sadhana, his musical meditation. Then he had to do it with this vena. Can you tell me how long ago that was? That was seven and a half thousand years ago, I replied. Yes, I also guess it to be the same. I've been playing this vena for the last 7,500 years. For a long time I've had this desire to play once for you. This vena is quite a simple in- simple, simple stringed instrument. You must have heard its harmonies. Certainly, I replied. Over time, he continued, this vena changed into different kinds of venas and vins. The sitar, esraj, tambura, violin and so many others. Some of them had frets and others not. Just think of it. Shiva had to make practically superhuman efforts with this primitive vena. He had to invent the scale. He had to string his instrument very carefully to get the proper sound. It was Shiva who made the ragas and raginis. He introduced soul-stirring modulation into them. He felt the need for musical meter. Without meter and tempo, there could be no song. To maintain the rhythm, he invented the horn and the dambaru, a small drum shaped like an hourglass. In the post-Shiva Vedic era, this tabor and horn took the form of the mridangam. That was during the end of the Jayaveda era and the beginning of Atharva Vedic era. From the beginning, from the original mridangam, developed in later times the Benares mridangam and the Bengal mridangam or kol. Mridangam and kol, however, are not identical, so their sound is also not the same. 
Our tabla is a metamorphosed form of the Smritanga. Some people believe that the tabla came from Persia, but this is not the case. The tabla originated in this country. From Persia we have gotten the Sita and the Ghazal, from Turkey the Havagazal. Although the Vena orig- originated in this country and has been here since the time of Shiva, we have gotten its descendant, the violin from Italy. This vin that I am holding fell, fell out of use nearly 6,000 years ago. I was thinking that I should play it for you, so I've been sitting here day and day after day, night after night, playing it. I haven't slept, but neither my body nor my mind has become tired. I am a sound wave, the musical modulation in the minds of human beings. I wasn't able to hear the entire melody of the piece you were playing, I said. If it's okay with you, would you play once more? One, there's once. I'll play a hundred times. The only reason they came to the show of Palash Forest was to play for you. He started to play. His fingers were remarkable, the way they danced over the strings. And he, after he stopped, I, I asked, Was that the very ancient Sintu Poiravi that has disappeared? You are quite correct. That was Sintu Poiravi. Now I must go. Okay. I'll accompany, accompany you to the edge of the mountains. I started he- heading back with that extraordinary genius by my side. After a little way I stopped and asked, those luminous bodies who used to cultivate music were called Gandava. Those who used to cultivate various things in subtle spheres, spheres were called Vidyadhara. And those who were skilled in dressing or, or enamoured of beauty were called Kenara. Which of the three are you? He kept quiet. The luminous face of his luminous body glittered even brighter as he smiled and remained silent. I kept on walking with him alongside me. That original vin was still in his hands. Do you know, he said, the world of music today is like a person without a proper guru or proper training. People want to show that they can play without having paid their dues. They are selling themselves for gold without realising that the real value of music is being lost thereby. Gold is becoming even cheaper than glass. Whenever a ragini is a little difficult, they only show that they can play the notes without going deep into the music. There is no way of doing this with Sindhu Poiravi. The same... The same... Uh, Vasanta. the same with Multani Vasanta. so you no longer hear either of them you're right I replied I don't hear anyone playing Sindhupadavi or Multani Vasanta any longer I've heard one or two pieces going by the name of Sindhupadavi one or two songs also but judging by the scale I could see that they were not Sindhupadavi they were different local styles of Davari. Right you are, quite right. That's just what I wanted to say. You must have noted, noticed that in Sindhu Bhairavi, one must pay special attention to ascending and descending notes in the scale. Since such profound attention makes it difficult to articulate the notes, singers nowadays don't want to take the risk. Exactly, I said, quite right. It would be great if you would compose a song in pure Sindhu Bhairavi. If I have sufficient time and capacity, then I will, try, I will try, but I cannot give my word on it. I love music, you see, but I am not well versed in it. 
Now, you didn't tell me whether you were a Kandava, Vidyadara or Kenara, but I can tell that you are one of them because you have a light body. He smiled even more and said, I am none of these three. Where do you live? Do you live in this Palish forest? I don't live in the forest, I live in the mind. I've been living in your mind for these past 7,000 years. We reached the end of the mountains. I looked at him and suddenly saw his body slowly begin to dissolve into the moonlight. As it did, I heard the sound of music floating over the top of the polished forest. This time, it wasn't Sindhu Bhairavi. It was Mega Malara. From the northeast, I noticed a wisp of cloud in the sky. The next evening, I went back to the hill and heard again the same sound floating to waves, that same sound wave floating to my ears. Prashenchi hadn't shown up the day before, who knows why, but again today he hadn't come. The reason for it I couldn't fathom. He was not like that. Whenever he couldn't come for some reason, he would inform me the day before. Suddenly I saw Prashenchi rapidly approaching, Esraj in hand. I saw in his half la- I said in a half-laughing, half-annoyed tone of voice, What's the matter? Yesterday you didn't come and today you're also late. This isn't like you. You really upset me yesterday, he replied. I thought perhaps you might drop by our house today knowing how much you upset me. So I waited for you for some time before starting off. That's why I'm late today. What did I do to upset you yesterday? Can you give me the details? I smiled a little. Is it a laughing matter to cause pain to another person, he replied. Then I'll say in all seriousness, what did I do to upset you? First, you showed up just when I was leaving with the Esraj to come here. Why couldn't you have come a little earlier? Why couldn't you have informed me earlier that you were coming? What objection did you have to taking a snack at my house? I was astonished. I get quiet. Why aren't you saying anything, he said. So what So what have you got to say? So what... So what... You have to say, I replied. So what have you to say, I replied. List your complaints. I came. You came into my house, he went on, but you wouldn't sit down anywhere, neither on the cot, nor on the chair, nor even on the mat. Is that proper? I ask you to remain standing like that when you visit someone's home. I kept quiet. So you still have nothing to say? No answer at all? So what's going on with you? Again, I held fast to my silence. So you picked up the Israj and started playing a strange ragini. I asked you its name many times, but you wouldn't answer. If you had told me, if you had told me while you were playing, perhaps I could have picked it up. But you told me much later, after I had, I could no longer remember what I had heard. Do you remember what name I told you? I asked. Certainly, I remember. He replied. You told me its name. It was Sindhu Poiravi and that it was seven, a 7,000-year-old 7, ragini, which has been lost nowadays. There were also some Sanskrit songs composed at one time in this ragini, but these songs have also been lost. You said that one must pay special attention to ascending and descending in the scale in Sindhu Bhairavi, and that most singers are not prepared to take such risk. For that reason, the real Sindhu Bhairavi has disappeared. It has mixed with the moonlight and fled into the unknown. And what else made you upset? The way you left so suddenly. It seemed to me as if you had 
you two had gotten lost in the moonlight. I looked everywhere, but I couldn't find you. I could hear only a vague melody floating in the air. It seemed to be Mekamala, and then a steady rain started falling. Didn't you get wet while you were walking home, he asked. No, I didn't get wet, I replied. I started listening attentively in Prashenchi as well, but that day we didn't hear any rag or ragini floating in from the Shal Palash forest. I had listened to what Prashenchi had to say, and it left me dumbfounded. I had no answer to give. Where had that unknown player gone? Had he gotten himself lost in his own Shal Palash forest? Perhaps he really had gotten lost, and within the grandeur of so many unknown, unplanned, unplayed, unsung melodies. Or perhaps he hadn't gotten lost. Perhaps he was just sitting, just waiting for the right persons capable of bringing to life again the world of melody, infusing it with the vital energy of the ragas and the raginis. Prashenti and I climbed down from the hills. As we did, an indistinct music seemed to start up, floating towards us from hidden recesses of the Shah Palash forest. I listened closely. It seemed as if someone was playing Multani Vasanta. That was recorded on the 1st of December 1985 in Kolkata, and it's also in the book chapter Chinese Part 2 by Sri Prabhat Ranjan Saka. So that's our, our bedtime story. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, let's, that's more about the that's just about the mystical essence of music. Talk tomorrow. Good night.